Well, good morning once again. And, uh, you know, I, I was kind of thinking about it this week, that not only are we, did we start a brand new year, but we also started a brand new decade, which is kind of crazy to think about. I, I told First Service that uh, Angela and I were, were remembering 20 years ago. Do you guys remember, like, Y2K? Like, when the world was going to come to an end because computers couldn't add one number to a 19, and all of a sudden everything was just going to collapse and... It was going to just be chaos in the streets and all that. Well, thankfully that didn't happen. But I, I, we, we were just remembering, like looking back, man, like 20 years ago, that, that's what that was. That's crazy to, crazy to think about. But, you know, as, as, we get, as we start this new year, I had a couple things just kind of come to mind as I was kind of planning and praying about what God wanted us to share. And, and, and you know, there's nothing uniquely special about starting a brand new year in and of itself. There's nothing very, um, you know, there's nothing about that in and of itself that's going to change anything in our lives. However, though, starting a new year gives us an opportunity to kind of reflect on the previous year of kind of what went on, what went right, what went wrong, and also kind of being able to set some goals and think moving forward. And Stacy kind of brought up a, a few moments ago just talking about New Year's resolutions, you know, and she listed off a, a bunch of New Year's resolutions that a lot of people have, you know, to, to quit smoking, to lose weight, eat healthier, save some money, you know, spend more quality time with family. And like Stacy said, most of those resolutions that we, that we make for ourselves, they kind of quickly fall by the wayside. Like it, it, and, and part of that is because we're just creatures of habit. We, we, it's easy for us to just get back into the, the habits we used to have before, especially bad habits. Anybody who's had a bad habit and tried to break that, you know how difficult that can really be. But we are creatures of habit, and so it's, it's very easy for us to fall back on the way we used to do things, the way we used to think and, and all that. And, and so what, what we wanted to do just to kind of start off this new year is we're going to be talking for the next couple of weeks, and we're calling our series Ignite. And, and really the whole idea is that great things always start small. Great things in your life, great changes, great events, they all start small. It, it's really rare in life when some big, monumental, momentous thing happens all at once. It's usually a, small, uh, a series of small steps that have been added on to one another over time. And, and really, that, that's the whole kind of heart behind what it is that we're going to be talking about with this series, Ignite. And so I want you to think of a match. In, in the middle of our Ignite image up there, we, we put a match because the whole idea is a match is something that's two inches long, has the, has the potential to have a dramatic impact on the things around it. Given the right conditions and all that, this small little match can, can have a, a, a potentially devastating effect around it. And so big things, great things tend to start small. And so what we're going to do is we're going to be talking about for the next couple weeks some very small things in your life that, that if you put them into practice, your December 2020 can look a lot different than your December 2019. And, and really, that's, that, that's, my, that's my heart. That's my goal is not for us just to talk about this on the very first Sunday of 2020, but really for this to be something that we put into practice and we carry out throughout this entire, this entire year. So if you would, I just want to pray for us real quick, and then we will go right into, our, into the Word. So Lord, I, I just want to thank you, God. For your presence that is here this morning, just as, as we were singing just a moment ago, 
God, Holy Spirit, that your presence is welcome here. And God, I, I, I just thank you for everybody who's here, who, who's hearing the sound of my voice right now. Father, I, I pray that, that you're just going to give me the words to say, anoint my words, Father, so that they would, so that they would be received well, so that your people can hear your word. And, and God, not just, not just hear a, a message on a Sunday morning, but God, that this could be the, the beginning of, of a big change in the lives of, of not just an individual here at Livingstones, but God, for our entire church. God, I pray that as we start this year together, that you're going to help us to, to put some of these small things into practice, that if we carry them out, God, that, that, that our future, our church's future is going to look radically different than what it looks like right now. So God, we're, we're just inviting you not just to be a part of the process, but to lead that process, Lord. God, I, I just pray that, again, you would just open our ears and our hearts to hear from you this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So I, I was reading recently uh, about a really stunning statistic that took place in New York City in 1990, um, and, and I just th- this absolutely floored me when I read it. In 1990, there were 2,245 homicides in New York City. Like, think about that number for a minute. 2,245 murders in one city in one year. I mean, that's crazy. That, that, that averages out to be over six per day. I mean, like New York City in, in the late 80s, early 90s, literally was a war zone. And I, I read one stat that there was one neighborhood that they averaged one homicide every 68 hours. Like, I, I mean, I was just, I was floored by that. I mean, just crazy to think about, like, that many people dying at the hands of somebody else in one, in one, in one city in one year. And, and what, was, what was really unique to me is I saw what the stats are now, that in two, 2018, that number dropped by almost 88%. That in 2018, there were only 287, 287 murders in New York City. Now, now obviously, that's still a, 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 a horrifying number. I mean, that, that's still way too many. But you think about that change that took place from 2,245 homicides to 287 in less than thir- three decades. Like, that, that's, that's crazy to, to, to truly think about. In, in a city that has 8.3 million people that live in it. Like, I, I, my hometown of Milwaukee, Milwaukee has 7% the population that New York City has, and it has half as many murders. Like, I, I mean, it's crazy. Like, New York City really is, has become the safest big city in the, in the entire country. And, and so it begs the question, well, what happened? Like, how, how in the world did New York City go from having 2,245 murders to 287 in the span of, of three decades? And, and, and so I, I'm, I'm not a criminologist, nor, nor am I in law enforcement, but it's a complicated question, and, and there's no, like, one answer to it. But as I was reading about this, I, I started reading about a, a a policing practice that, that New York City started to put in, into, into effect in the early 90s, which is called the, the broken windows theory of, of policing. And, and again, I, I'm, I'm no law enforcement or criminology expert, but I'm going to kind of give you the, the Cliff Notes version of, of kind of what the broken windows theory of policing is. And, and the, whole, the whole idea of this was that seemingly small and minor infractions, seemingly small issues that were going on, things like graffiti, 
Things like abandoned buildings that had broken windows, fair jumping, getting onto the subway, all that kind of thing. That, that those things created an environment where, that encouraged larger and greater crimes. That, that if these smaller infractions were overlooked, it kind of gave the, the impression, well, nobody really cares. And so these larger, bigger crimes started to take place. And so they started to try to institute this policy in New York City where they started to try to focus in on some of these smaller, more insignificant crimes, things like, like jaywalking, fixing broken windows, trying to try, prosecuting fair jumpers, that kind of thing. And what happened was this coincided with this, this precipitous decline in the crime rate in New York City. And, and, and it really, it, I mean, it plummeted. I mean, by, like I said, it there's 88% fewer homicides in New York City now than there were 30 years ago. And, and, and now, it, it, would be, it would be way too simplistic to say, well, this one thing made the difference, that this focus on just the, the, the broken windows theory, these smaller uh, infractions and crimes, I was focusing on that, was the one thing that caused the, the, the crime rate to, to decline. But it, it was definitely a part of, of the equation of what took place in New York City, and, and that's really kind of the heart behind what it was that I wanted to focus on and have us talk about over the next number of weeks was focusing on these smaller things in our life that end up yielding big results. If we focus on the smaller things, big changes and big results can happen in our lives. And so what I want to do is I want to share a, a life principle with you that, that we might have all thought of at one time or another, we might have all heard, but very few of us actually put this into practice. And if you're taking notes either on the app or on your, um, on your bulletin, you, I'd encourage you to write this down. That small things done well over a long period of time yield huge results. Small things done well over a long period of time yield huge results. And, and, and really, the, the, most of us don't have a problem with doing small things or even trying to do them well, where we kind of get bogged down, where we get stuck is that third part of over a long period of time. Like that, that's, that's where we kind of struggle with because we are an impatient, instantaneous society. Like we, we, we want things, what we want, what we want, and we wanted it yesterday. Like, I mean, the whole, the whole idea of like fast food, for example. Like th- think about how crazy that is that you can pull up somewhere and have a meal in your hand in less than three minutes. Like, that's crazy. And we get impatient or we get irritated if it takes too long. Like, or, 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 or you think about, you know, texts and emails and all that, like, instantaneous communication that we have now that used to take, like, months to, to send a letter from one side of the country to the other. Or think about Amazon Prime. Like, next day delivery. Is that not the craziest thing? Like, how many of you can remember ordering from a catalog and expecting it like six to eight weeks later. You guys remember those days? Like, our kids will never have to live with that, that like, oh, I forgot I even ordered that. You, you, you know, because it came so much later. But now we can order something and literally have it in our hand the next day. And in certain, like, cities, you can even get it the same day. Like, uh, that's, just, that's just crazy that, that we live in that kind of world. And, and I'm convinced that this whole idea of over long periods of time is why most New Year's resolutions end up failing. Because we grow impatient. 
We, we, we have an idea in our mind of what we want the result to be, and when we're not seeing the result fast enough, we get discouraged and we just kind of say, all right, well, that's obviously not working, and we quit. But if we want to see long-lasting results, if we want to see big changes happen to our lives, we have to do small things well over a long period of time. And then we're going to start to see those results in our life. I, I want to share with you what's going to kind of be our, our theme verse for this entire series, and it's found in, in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. And, and this is such a, a key thing. I'll be referring to this over and over um, over the next couple weeks. But it's Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, and Paul writes this. He says, Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Now think about, think about what Paul's saying right there. He said, let's not grow weary. Let's not grow impatient. Let's not get tired of doing the right thing. Because in, at the proper time, in one uh, translation actually says, in due time, that we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. And, and that's where the rub is, if we don't give up. Because so many of us, we, we don't end up seeing those results we want, and we end up giving up. And, and we never get to truly reap that harvest. We never get to have the fruit of what it is we've been trying to work for. And so I want to share that principle with you one more time. Small things done well over a long period of time yield huge results. I mean, and think about it. Like if there's anything that you've done, like exercising, like nobody, well, there are some people that might like exercising, but most people don't like exercising. If you're one of those nutcases, I'll forgive you. But obviously I don't. Like, you can just tell by looking at me, like, you, you can look at me and say, all right, Pat does not enjoy exercising, but if, you, if I was willing to do a small thing well over a period of time, I would start to see results. It's the same thing with saving money or investing money. If you take a small amount of money and you invest it, you save it over a long period of time, you are going to have a big sum at some point down the road. Learning, learning to play an instrument would be another one. The, this is a skill that, that if you do something small, you learn to practice, and you do it well over a long period of time, you'll start to become a master. You'll start to master that instrument. And really, so what I want to share with you over the next couple of weeks is this, that if we do some of these things, I'm going to share with you a, a number of things over the next couple of weeks, that if we do some of these small things really well for this entire year, your, your December 2020 is going to look different than your December 2019. And, and I don't know about you, I want to be different. I, I want to see God do some things. I want to see God change some things in my life. And, and I'll tell you, if we do those things, you, you will start to see those changes. So where we're going to be talking about today, where we're going to begin today, that small item that we're going to talk about today, that if we do well over a long period of time, is going to be about how we think. I, I want to talk to you this morning about our thoughts and, and the way that we think. Now, Solomon wrote in Proverbs uh, 23, 7a, he says, for as he thinks in his heart, so is he. As he thinks in his heart, so is he. You, you, you've probably heard this paraphrased uh, in some ways, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And, and so let me just kind of share with you what this verse does not mean. What, what this verse does not mean is, oh, you know what? If I think I'm going to be rich, well, then all of a sudden I'm going to be rich. It, it doesn't work that way. Or, or if I just think I'm healed, well, then I'm going to be healed. It, 
it doesn't necessarily work that way. But what it does mean is this, and I want you to write this down, is that our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Our lives move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. Now, have you ever noticed, like, when you're driving, you'll start to go in the direction that you're looking. So, so I, we, we just drove back from Milwaukee last night, and I can't tell you the number of times I've probably given Angela a heart attack, where, like, I'll notice something on the side of the road, and I'll look at it, and all of a sudden you start to drift in that direction. Like, tell me I'm not the only person that's ever, that's ever done that. Like, you, you start to head in the direction that you're focused on. What you're thinking about is the direction that you will head. And it's that same principle with our thoughts too. Like if you think that you can't, well then you probably won't. If you think you can't do something, then you you probably won't do it. If you think life is bad, well then life will probably be bad. If, If you think that you have nothing to offer, you will probably make no difference in the world or in anybody's life. But it works on the flip side of that too, that if you think you can, you probably will, or at least you're going to pursue ways to try to make it happen. Or, or if, you, if you think life is good, then you're going to enjoy life. You're going to find things in life to enjoy, to, 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 that bring pleasure and, and joy to you. If you think there are opportunities out there for you, you're going to find them. Like this whole idea is that our life heads in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And, and so the first step that we have that we have to do when, when we're thinking about our thoughts is, is let, let me say it this way, um, we need to start thinking about what we're thinking about, all right? We need to start thinking about what we're thinking about. And, and, and the reason I say that is you have to kind of take a self-reflective look in the mirror so you really know kind of where you are. It, it's kind of like going to the doctor. Before a treatment can be prescribed to you, you have to kind of know what the issue is. You have to know what you're dealing with. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to share, we're going to do kind of like a, a thought audit here for, for just a moment, where we're just going to kind of think about what it is that we're thinking about. So if you can put our, our, first, our first kind of graph here on, on the screen. And on one side, all the way at zero, I have negative, And on the other side... I have a 10, which, which would be positive. And so what I want you to do is I want you to just think for a moment. Where do most of your thoughts lie? Like if you had to put yourself somewhere on this scale, in general, are you more negative in your thinking? Or are you more positive? Are, are you more an Eeyore or are you more Buddy the Elf? You know, like, so, so think about where, where do you fall on, on that continuum there? And what I want you to do is give yourself, give yourself a number. Think about, all right, in general, obviously it's not all the time, where do I fit? Am I more zero, kind of four, I'm kind of leaning negative? Do I generally kind of look at, at life on the positive side of life, that things are going to work out? Or am I just kind of more gloomy and, oh man, nothing seems to ever go my way kind of a thing? Then I, I'll put the next one up here too. This next one is, do I have more worldly thoughts or do I tend to have more eternal thoughts? And, and by worldly thoughts, I'm, I'm meaning, are you more kind of consumed with what's going on in your life right now? You know, what, what, what kind of car I'm driving, you know, the, the house, what are, what are those people going to think of me? Or, or do you have more of an eternal perspective where you're thinking, all right, God, how can you use me to benefit somebody else in this, in this situation? God, what is it that you are up to at this moment? So where, where would you put yourself on, on that continuum?
more having worldly thoughts or more eternal thoughts. And then I have, I have one final one for you here. And it's, do you tend to have, are you, are you, do you tend to be more worried about things or do you tend to be more peaceful about things? Like, do you spend a lot of your time worrying about money, worrying about the future, about the kids, and about work and all that? Or do you kind of tend to have a more, you know what, I trust that God's got this, I'm not worried about it, it's, it's okay. And kind of where would you put yourself on, on that scale there? And, and again, the, re- the reason I'm doing this is I want us to kind of just think for a, for a moment, what is it that I actually think about? Where, where do I fall on those? And, and the good news is, if you did not give yourself all tens on there, this message is for you. And that's, and that's good news because guess what? I'm not anywhere close to having all tens on there. Like I, I wish I could say I am, but I, I'm sharing with you that I'm in the middle of this journey right along with you. But like I said, we, our, lives will start, excuse me, our lives will start to move in the direction of our strongest thoughts. And if we're consumed by negative thoughts, if we're consumed by worry, if we're consumed by, by worldly thoughts and the things of this life all the time, we're probably going to have a pretty miserable life. But the opposite is also true, that, that if your mind is, is filled and, and consumed with, with positive things, with peaceful things, with the things of God, our life is going to head in that direction too. And, and so I'd venture to say that probably most of us did not give ourselves all tens on there. Because our world is filled with things that cause us to worry. Our world is filled with, with negative reports and negative, negative news, and things that are constantly trying to rob us of our joy and constantly trying to get us to vie for attention for things that don't ultimately last instead of things that, that really do. And, and Paul wrote to, to the Roman church about this, something that was really profound in Romans chapter 12. He said, Don't copy the behavior and the customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way that you think. Like, catch that right there. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Let God change you into a new person by transforming the way that you think. Like, like think about that. That, that. that if God can help change our thoughts, we will be a new person. We're going to start acting different. We're going to start speaking different. We're going to start relating to people differently if we allow God to change our thoughts. Which begs the question, all right, well, how do we do that? How do we allow God to start changing our thoughts? Our, our thoughts? How, do we, how do we start allowing Him to transform us into that new person? And so the, the first thing I, that I want to share with you, there, there's really kind of two thoughts I want to share with you about this. The first one is this, that we must capture destructive thoughts. We have to capture destructive thoughts. Now, last year was the very first time, and we've lived at our house for six, almost seven years now, that we ever had moles in our yard. And I tell you, moles are miserable in your yard. I mean, they, they destroy everything. They, they kill the grass. And, and I mean, it's, and the, the, the mole tunnels and and so I had to talk to a buddy of mine. He's good at trapping things. And, and he showed me how to set a mole trap and all this. And I caught one mole and I took a picture and showed it to the kids and, and all this. And I caught another mole. And like I, I was tempted to bring the, my dead mole pictures and put them up here, but a- Angela encouraged me not to. Um, but, but I had to learn how to capture these things, the, these, these destructive rodents, because if I didn't, they would ruin our, my entire yard. 
Like not only do they leave the, the, the hills and the mounds and tunnels, but they also kill the grass that's, that's, uh, that's over the top of those tunnels. I mean, they're, they're very destructive little creatures. And so I had to learn, how, do, how can I capture them so they won't ruin the rest of my yard? And it's the, it's the exact same way with our thoughts too. That we have to learn how to capture our destructive thoughts so that it doesn't ruin us on the inside. It doesn't ruin who we are. And, and so, if, like I said, if, if we're consumed with, with worldly, with negative thoughts, with, with worry all the time, we're going to start to internalize that. It's going to start affecting who we are. It's going to start rotting us from the inside. And so one of, the, one of the ways that we can allow God to change us into a new person by changing our thoughts is we have to learn how to capture destructive thoughts. Uh, in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, Paul, Paul was writing to, to the to the Corinthian church. And if you've read either 1st or 2nd Corinthians, you knew that this church was jacked up. Like they, they had a lot of things going on. Paul was trying to correct them. And how, how, do, I, how do you deal, how do you change the culture of this church that, that I started all these years ago? And he writes this in 2nd Corinthians 10. He says, for though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they, being the weapons, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought. Now catch this. We take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. And, and in verse 4, that word power is translated from the Greek word dunamis, which is where we get the, the word dynamite from. That we, ha- we have the power to blow up, to explode these strongholds that we have in our life. And that word stronghold actually comes from the Greek, the Greek word okurama, which literally means a bound prisoner. And, and I tell you, every single one of us in this room, we are bound prisoners to some kind of stronghold, some kind of thought pattern in our lives. We, we've agreed with and we've believed some kind of lie in our lives, maybe about ourselves, maybe about our spouse, about our kids, about how people think of us, that we have agreed with those things and we've internalized them, and now we're a bound prisoner. We have a stronghold in our life. And what Paul's saying is, he said, we can demolish, we can explode those strongholds if we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Now, now think for, for a moment. The Bible calls Satan, he calls him the father of lies. He calls Satan the father of lies. And one of the things that Satan is always trying to do is get us to, to build our life around lies, like I said, about ourselves, about those around us, that we're going to start believing and internalizing and, and agreeing with those different lies around us. But what do we need to do with those lies? We, we need to do what it said in, cha- in verse 5 there. We need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. We need to take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. And so, so what we have to do, so how, how do we do that? How do, how do we take captive these thoughts? Because we, we can't always control the thoughts that come into our mind. But we can control what do we do with them when they, when they do. Am I going to agree with them? Am I going to reject it? What am I going to do with this constant bombardment of thoughts that I end up dealing with on a daily basis? And so we need to recognize when our thoughts start heading down a destructive path. We need to be able to recognize, all right, is this, is this thought truth 
Or is this thought a lie? Is this, is this thought leading me towards life or is it leading me towards death? And so things like, I'm never going to amount to anything. I'm just a screw up. My husband, he, he's never going to change. Those are, those are all thoughts that are going to lead us down a destructive path. And so what we need to do is we need to take those thoughts and make them obedient to Christ. Now, a, a couple of years ago, just to kind of give you what, what might seem like a very elementary uh, example of this, but, it, but it's very true, that Angela, with, with our kids, she had this app with, that was called Truth or Trash. And, and, it, and the app, what it would do is it would give you a statement, and the kids had to decide, is this truth that I need to embrace and I need to believe and I need to build my life on? Or is this trash that I need to reject and I need, I need to replace with something else? And, and so there would be things like, God doesn't love me. Well, that's trash, obviously, because the Bible says over and over again how, how, how much God does love us and, and the extent of his, his love for us. Or we could, re, you know, one of them might be, I'm special because I'm made in the image of God. Well, obviously, that's truth. And I need to embrace that. I need to build my life upon that truth. You know, and, and so what we need to do is we need to do this same thing with our own thoughts. We need to examine our own thoughts and say, all right, is this truth or is it trash? It is, you know, is, is this, this thought I'm having, is it something I want to believe and build my life on? Is it something that's going to give life and bring life into me? Or is it going to bring death? Is it going to bring destruction? And so you could have something like, I'm, I'm never going to overcome this. I've always been addicted. I've prayed and I've tried, and it's just never going to get better. And you say, well, well, that's trash, because the Bible, the Bible says that I'm an overcomer by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony, that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. That's the truth. And I need to build my life on, on that truth. Or you could say, you know, oh, I'm never, I'm never going to amount to anything. God could, never, God could never use me. Well, that's trash, because the truth is, what, what Paul says in Ephesians, that I, that I am God's masterpiece created in Christ Jesus for good works that he, that he set aside for me beforehand so that, I, so that I could walk in them. Like that's the truth that I need to start building my life on. And so what we need to do, it, it, kind of like, like a microscope in a way where, where we have to take our thoughts and put them under the microscope. And, and, and if you remember biology class, there's good bacteria and there's bad bacteria. There's bacteria that's, that's beneficial to your life and then there's bacteria that can harm you and can kill you. And what we need to do is we need to put them under the microscope and say, all right, what is this that, I, that I'm thinking? Is this truth? Is this something I need to embrace and believe and build my life on? Or is this something I need to, is this trash and something I need, I need to reject? We have to, we have to make sure that we are built, determining what's true and what's destructive and take our thoughts captive. And if they're and if it's not true, we need to fight those lies with the Word of God. We, we, need, we need to be able to take the Word of God and apply it and say, no, 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 that is a lie because I know what God has to say about me. That is a lie because I know what God has to say about my spouse, about my situation, about my future. And so I'm going to reject that lie because God says something different. I'm telling you, you'll, you'll never be able to truly take captive your thoughts and fight against the lies of the enemy until you know this book. Until you're spending time in his, in his Word, memorizing His Word, meditating on His Word, internalizing it, and having it be a part of who you are. Because when you know, when you know the Word of God, you're going to be able to call out those lies for what they are. 
You're going to be able to, to know the truth, and that truth will set you free. You will no longer be a bound prisoner and have those strongholds in your life. You're going to be able to destroy those strongholds with the Word of God. So I'm telling you, don't take those negative thoughts and internalize them. We need to reject them. We need to fight against them. We need to internalize and digest the Word of God. Because remember, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. Reject the trash and embrace the truth. So, so the first thing we need to do, we need to be able to take captive our thoughts. Take captive our thoughts. And the second thing we need to do is we need to fix our thoughts on godly things. We need to fix our thoughts, fix our minds on godly things. I, I shared this verse, verse with you a couple weeks ago, Philippians 4.8, where Paul wrote, he said, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if, there, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Paul's saying, fill your mind with those things that are lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. That's what you want to be dwelling on. That's what you want to be fixing your mind on and, and thinking about. And, and I love this verse in Colossians chapter 3, verse 2. Paul writes, he says, set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. Set your mind on things above and not on earthly things. And, and I'm telling you, Paul had a lot to say about thoughts. He had a lot to say about our thought, our thought life and, and the direction it ends up leading us and leading our families and leading our church. And, and I'll, I'll tell you, think about for just a moment the areas of your life where maybe you feel frustrated. Maybe you feel discontented. There, are, are you allowing some things into your life that are feeding that frustration and feeding that discontentment? Are, are there things that you're allowing into your life that, that are, that are uh, stirring up so, some of those things that, that, are, that cause that discontent? An- Angel and I were kind of sharing this a while ago that, that for, for a period of time we, we noticed that both of us were kind of getting kind of grumbly about our house. You know, it wasn't as, as new as it used to be. And our furniture isn't as nice as it was, and it's mismatched, and it doesn't look as nice. And, you know, I mean, we have four kids and two dogs, and I mean, you know, like, it, it just doesn't look like we, we want it to. And then we thought to ourselves, but where are we focusing? Like, we had been watching, like, the Gaineses on Fixer Upper. Like, like, Angela loves being on Pinterest and getting ideas, and there's nothing inherently wrong with either one of those. Like, God bless the Gaineses, and I, and I love, you know, the, the show's great. And Pinterest, my goodness, like anything you'd want to know about it, like it's amazing. But, but those things were feeding a discontentment in our souls because we were focused on worldly things. We were focusing on those things that were going to feed that frustration and discontentment. And, and again, like I said, it's not necessarily bad, bad things. But what am, I, what am I filling my mind with? What is it that I'm filling my thoughts with? Are, are they with godly things? Or are they with with worldly things? And and we are constantly, all the time, being bombarded with with the things of this world, but with negativity, with things that, like I I shared with you a couple weeks ago, that advertising companies like make billions of dollars trying to make you discontented with your life. Like that's what they do. They want you to go out and buy new and buy more and buy bigger and buy better. And I'm telling you, we're bombarded with these kinds of things all the time. But if we can fix our mind on things above and not on earthly things, 
If we can start having a godly focus, an eternal focus, instead of a worldly focus, we're going to have a much more positive outlook on life. We're going to have a much more joy-filled and peaceful life as a result. And, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you this. We need to make it a priority. I, I, I'm, and I'll, I'll tell you this as not me pointing a finger at you. I'm sharing with you a journey that God has taken me on and something that I've been trying to put into practice and, and discover in, in my life. Because I, I came across a stat the other day which, which just, I was surprised, but then I really wasn't all that surprised by it, and said that 80% of people check their phone within 15 minutes of waking up. Like, think about that for a minute. And, I, and I'm sure, like, we might all, like, think of the room, yeah, I, I just did that this morning. Like, as soon as you wake up, you're saying, all right, who messaged me, who emailed me, who liked my, my Facebook post, who, you know, like, we, we want to see what's, what's been going on while we've been sleeping on our backs for the last number of hours. And, and I'll tell you, if the very first thing I'm doing in the morning is I'm checking my email, that's what I'm focused on. I'm, I'm starting to think about, all right, here's an issue I need to deal with. Here's a problem that needs to be solved. Here, here's something I need to take care of. Or, or if the very first thing I'm doing is I'm checking the news, like all of a sudden my mind is headed in that direction. Oh my goodness, what are we going to do with Iran right now? And, and you know, the election, I mean, like, it's, it's the impeachment, I mean, it's just constant. Like, if, if that's the very first thing we're focusing on in the morning, that's where our time and our attention, our direction is going to go. And, and I'm not sharing this with you again as somebody who's got it figured out. I'm sharing with you something I'm trying to put into practice on a daily basis. That, that instead of picking up my phone first thing in the morning, just saying, you know what, before my feet even hit the ground, Lord, thank you for waking me up today. God, thank you. Thank you for this new, this new day. Thank you for the breath I have in my lungs. And God, I, I want to I honor you with this day. God, give me your thoughts. Give me your mind. Help me to, help me to see things the way that you see them. Help me to, to, to love and encourage and to, and to build somebody else up today. Like if I'm starting my day in that way, I tell you, I notice a difference than if I, than if I start my day looking at whatever's going on on, on the news or, or checking my email first thing. There's a tangible difference that takes place in my life when I'm putting God first thing. And, and you guys know we're, you know we're still living in Plymouth right now. I have a 25-minute drive here, 25-minute drive home every day. And instead of flipping on the radio or putting, putting the CD on or something like that, like think, think of the difference, the change in atmosphere that takes place if I'm just putting on some worship music or I'm listening to a, to a podcast of a pastor who just really blesses me. What, what does that do? That changes my, my thought and my attitude. I, I tell you, years ago, like probably six years ago, I quit listening to talk radio and it was the greatest thing I've ever done in my life. Like literally my life has gotten tremendously better since eliminating that poison from my, from my diet. And, and, I, and I'll tell you, when, when you start to invite God into your situations, when you start trying to fix your mind on godly things instead of on worldly things, it gives you a new perspective. It gives you a new way of seeing life and, and interacting with, with those around you. And, and just kind of, I guess, to put a, put a bow on what I'm talking about with this, I want you to think about two different animals for a minute. Think of about a buzzard. Like a, like a buzzard, what does it do all day? It flies around circling, looking for dead things. Like that, that's, what it, that's what it does. It's in its nature. Like, oh, a dead squirrel, jackpot. You know, like that, that's, that's what it's focused on. That's what it's looking for all day. But a hummingbird on the other end, a hummingbird is looking for nectar. It's looking for things sweet. And it finds it. 
It finds it. And, and I'll tell you, it's the same thing. What you are looking for, you'll find. If you're looking for dead things, if you have that negative, pessimistic outlook on life, you're going to find things to be negative and pessimistic about. But if you have a mindset, thinking about godly things, thinking about sweet things, those, those things that are, that are lovely and pure and admirable, you're going to see and you're going to find those things. You're going to see and you're going to find those things in, in your life. So I'm, I'm going to close with this. I'll invite our, our worship team to come back up. But like I, sa- I said at the beginning, that small things done well over a long period of time will yield big results in your life. It really will. But like, like Paul said in, in Galatians, we'll reap that harvest if we don't give up. We'll reap that harvest in due time if we don't give up. So what is it that I'm focused on? What, what is it that, that I'm... What am I filling my mind with? What, what, are, what are my thoughts? And, and, and how, do I, how do I start putting this into practice? What, what thoughts do I need to start taking captive and making them obedient to Christ? What ways do I need to start filling my mind with godly things instead of the things of this world? And, and I'll tell you this, it's not th- these two things I shared with you about about taking thoughts captive and, and putting, fixing your mind on godly things. These aren't magic pills that you just start doing them instantaneously. instantaneously your life gets better. It, it doesn't work like that. But I'll tell you, if you do these small things and you do them well and you do them over and over and over and over again, you're going to notice. You're going to start to see how your life, the way your perspective, the way that you're viewing things and seeing things and doing things is going to start to change. When you stop believing those lies and you start rejecting them, you start reminding Satan, what does God's word have to say about things? When you start focusing your mind on godly things instead of worldly things, you're going to notice your life start to change. But I'm telling you, don't grow weary in doing good. But stick with it because you'll reap a harvest in due time if you don't give up. So I, I just want to pray for you all right now. If you would just close your eyes for just a moment. I just want to pray about our thoughts. So Lord, God, we just want to tell you thank you. God, thank you for a, a new year, for bringing us through 2019. God, that we have, we have a brand new year ahead of us, full of, uh, of potential, full of possibilities. And God, we, we, want to, we want to start, we want to begin this, this year off right. And, I, and I'm sure I speak for everybody in this room when we say, we don't want to repeat last year. Like, I, I, don't, I don't want to be the same man. I don't want to be the same husband, the same dad, the same pastor that I was in 2019. But I want to grow. I want to be better. So God, we, we, we give you our minds today. God, we give you our thoughts. We, we want to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And God, we recognize, God, just how powerful our thoughts are in determining the direction that our lives go. And so God, we invite you into our thought lives. God, help us to, God, help us to identify the, those lies, the, the, the trash that the world and that Satan wants us to believe. God, that we would be able to reject those things, to capture those thoughts and make them obedient to your Son. God, help us to fill our mind with the truth of your Word so that we can come against those things in the name of Jesus. God, that we can build our lives on the truth of what your Word actually says. God, I pray that you're going to give us eyes to see the truth and, God, clear minds to reject the lies. So, God, as we start this year, 
as we start this year, I, I pray that you're going to give us godly thoughts. God, that we're, that we're going to reject the negativity, the garbage of this world that we so often fill our minds with. But God, we, we want to see you at work. We want to, we want to see you, your hand at work in, in our workplace. We want to see your hand at work in our lives, in our, in our kids, in our families, in our marriages. God, help us to, to have eyes to see those good things, those things that are excellent and praiseworthy, that are of good report. God, that's what we want to focus on. God, you promised that, that when we seek you with all of our hearts, Lord, that we would find you. And God, I, just, I pray that, that this year would be a year that we seek you, that we would seek your ideas, your thoughts, your ways more than any others. God, I pray you bless my friends here today. In Jesus' name, amen.